give it to us. Love Talk go. Radio. Go ahead, Charlie Bubbles, hit it, baby. baby. Hey, hit it. Come and meet Charlie Bubbles and say, they say this boy is happy every day. When he gets in any trouble, he blows a magic bubble. I think this bubble boy is on his way. So come and meet Charlie Bubbles. Come and see Charlie Bubbles. Come and read. Yeah, da 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 Charlie Bubbles. Today. Woo. Woo. There you go. Oh, I wish I had my... Yeah. Give Rosary, you, I, I got to hold the phone, so you give him a round of applause, would you? Yeah, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come well, on. Let me do Pandemonium in Boston. <clears throat> let me do it. It's, it's Bostonium. <clears throat> this is up with okay, Tom Hayes and Rosemary Young, who was so sweet to uh, attract Paul in a, a kind of a roundabout, serendipitous, synchronous way. And Paul Califote is born March 23rd, 1963. You are so young, my man. Some of them... No, that, that's the, the wrong uh, birthday, but you can say that. You got that off of IMDb. Oh, that's, that was... It, that was... Yeah, that, that's the that wrong... The that's not my real... I graduated in 77 from Somerville High, so you can figure it out from there. Uh, well, you know, I'm copy a, I'm and a little paste. Older. What are you going to do? Copy and All paste. Right. Okay, you're, he's an actor known for Fight Club, All the Right Moves, and Choices. As a producer, he created the movie short Club Soda with James Gandolfini, Louis Gossett Jr., Joe Mantegna. Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Mantegna. He's a writer, producer, director, and now author of a children's book series, Charlie Bubbles, based on the true life experiences of his own son. He also wrote, produced, directed, and acted in a movie short, The Wolves of Savin Hill. Join us for an exciting show. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for being here. Welcome, Paul. Well, I'm not going to dis- disagree with that introduction, only to uh, make some assertions here that I had nothing to do with the Wolves of Savin Hill except my acting uh, uh, abilities, be it they may be oh. small or large, depending. But I, I just appear in that movie. I'm like the third lead in that film. So that was uh, that's oh. John Hill who wrote that, that's... Um, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Ireland, who was producing and helped, helped, did a lot of work on that movie. Uh, and Sean, uh, a bunch of guys from Boston, by the way, so, so you know, uh, we got, uh, uh, John Hill, his, his, his brother, by the way, was signed by the Red Sox. He's now on a Yankee. Wow. So we're not going to talk too much about him, but, uh, John's right. from Boston. I'm from Boston. There's a lot of guys, uh, Brian Scannell, who was on, the series, uh, he was a series regular on Brotherhood, I believe, that was shot in Providence. He's starring in, that, in the movie, and he did, does a terrific job. And he's actually the reason why I am in the film, because he called me saying, what are you doing? Get off your ass and come on down here and, 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 and you know, work with us. So I, I did, and then it turns out that I ended up uh, having a pretty decent role in that film, and they did a great job. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to be a part of that and those guys, and uh, I didn't when write is that it. Going I to didn't be it, guys. Okay. Well, we're, it's actually but, it's actually he, it's it's just won the the director just won uh, best new director out of the San Diego Film Festival in in a couple of weeks. I think May twenty second. We're here in Beverly Hills. At, uh, they're going to screen the movie at the the ITT. I'm sorry, I'm probably getting this wrong. Uh, so much information in my head. I should probably have it like they have in screens in front of me, but. 
It's going to be screening here in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hills uh, Music Music Hall in Beverly Hills on May 22nd. So when it gets to Boston, I don't know. I mean, it may be okay. this summer, in August, I think. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but that's done. And, and also, I just also finished uh, working with John Totoro on a new HBO miniseries called Crime, which uh, was at once upon a time starring the late, great James Gandolfini, my dear friend, who unfortunately has passed. Yeah, you so, know, that's, when the, I that's the latest him, stuff. That's all the new stuff. Well, Rosemary and I watched, and, you know, that's going to, you know, obviously. The, um, the the connection with you and James Gandolfini was obviously a deep one. And when I watched one of your videos, you said he was your best friend. And, and is that correct? Well, very, very, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I was, uh, as Jimmy would say, I was his best friend in Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. Uh, although, okay. Although, although we met, we, yeah, you know, because he hated L.A. and I stayed here. And he couldn't, he was always trying to get me to come back. To New York City, which I, you know, would always say, well, listen, you know, when you when you put me on the Sopranos, I'll come back. Yep, yep. But you know that 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 did unfortunately never happened. Although we did, I did damages with Glenn Close for a season uh, back in 2010, and, and I was uh, fortunate to be his guest for that entire season. But James and I met in 1992 after my father passed away. I was back in Boston. Uh, and we met on a movie called The Italian Movie. I met James in a, a blizzard, freezing cold, I believe it was March or maybe February, I'm not sure, but 1992, I think, in Brooklyn. And I went to this, I had first day of shooting was in a church, and I had to go and report at 5 o'clock in the morning at that church. And when I got there, it was like, you know, one of those, you know, like a Boston winter like you guys have had all wrapped up into one night. It was just freezing. The snow was coming. It was a blizzard. And I pushed open there. I found the church, and I opened the door. I was going into the basement, and there was little tiki lights, like, lighting the way. And there was a, a, a door ajar with some light coming through it. I pushed it open. It was a Sunday school uh, room <laughs> in the bottom of the church in the basement. And, you know, those little chairs, right? Like Sunday school, like little tables, little chairs. Yeah. And then this right. giant hulking man sitting in this with a long gray duster on. And he's sitting in this chair, this little kid's chair, with his hand wrapped around a bottle of Zambuca. And I oh. looked at him and I said, baby. I said, baby, you're the only one that understands me. And I grabbed the bottle and I took a swig out of that and... We were friends. Uh, we were best friends from that time on. So yeah, we were we were very close. You know, very close. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yeah, so at five o'clock in the morning, he's he's belting down Sambuca. Well, you know, it's like you know, like look. I mean, it's freezing. It's a blizzard. You're cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, what yep. warms the hey, heart no, better than us? Yep. It's, it's a job. Has to, let's face it. You know, what are you gonna do? I'm a sober yeah, man yeah. today, I must say. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's, that, that's all part of the journey, is it? I'm a I'm a comic, so and here in Boston, so I've I've seen the story over and over again uh, and continues. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I have to say that I've seen you many times at there, not knowing who you're. But one of the my favorite films of all time is Lonely Hearts. Oh really? Oh, I love that. I like movie. that movie. Yeah, I like Selma uh, Hayek in that movie. I like Selma Hayek. I, I, I was hoping that somehow that she would see me and then fall madly in love 
and the rest would be history. I'd be smothered under her her bosom of love, let's, let's say. You know, she was, she was extre- <laughs> extremely sexy, extremely sexy. Oh, she's got – and lots of land. <laughs> yes, yes. I love the scene where she took care of the cop. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, that was the one. Yes, I, yes, I, I, I often asked if I could be the cop in that scene, but they, they said no. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, 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 if you haven't seen the film, you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, no, I but, joke, uh, Rosemarie. That's an in-joke, honey. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and listen, don't ru- you don't have to rush out and see the movie either. <laughs> so uh, the one I do want to see. I, the one I, I do want to see. Watching, watching yeah, the I would highly recommend. Yeah, it's a fantastic okay. one. So, how big a role did you have in that one? Well, I actually uh, didn't have much of a role in that. That was I was me going down to Florida to hang out with Jimmy for about ten days, and then while I was there. You know, they gave me a little something to do. So I was like Detective Paco, Travolta, James. It was, it was really great. Now, I knew John. You know, when I first did my first movie, uh, Heading for Broadway, which was about 18 months after I left Somerville. I went to New York when I was 18, and I was about 20. I just turned, I just turned 20, and uh, I got this starring role in this movie for Fox uh, called Heading for Broadway. And it was first originally uh, offered to John Travolta, which he would never have done because he was already a huge star. And this was, this role really was for a, a star making vehicle for a guy like myself or somebody, you know, that's, you know, but it, as it turns out, you know, the, uh, his managers, which was Lamont Zetter, they saw that and they, they signed me. And what's really odd about that was where I lived in New York on 107th street, uh, there was an actor who lived at the corner of that block and a girl that lived in my building. And she knew this guy, Richard. And she said, Richard's managers are John Travolta's managers. And one, you know, I got to be friendly with Richard and he introduced me at a dinner party to Lois, which was uh, Lois Zetter, the, the partner of uh, the, the, the firm. Now you got to remember, this is 1978. You know, all hell's broke loose. I mean, John Travolta is a huge, you know, international Stop. Yeah. And um, yep. And so I met her at a little dinner party, and she liked me. She she took a shine. She thought I was cute or whatever. I don't know. She said, "Listen, if you're ever doing anything, I want you to contact our New York office." So of course, maybe it was probably a year later. I mean, maybe even less than that. And I have I get this starring role. And how that happened was. Um, I was studying acting at the 78th Street Playhouse in New York City, and my teacher was Joanna Merlin, who also was not only a terrific actress in her own right, who uh, was one of the original cast members of The Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway, but she was also a casting director. So, like, coming from Somerville, I had a little bit of street sense and some guile. And, you know, when my commercial agent said, you need, you know, the feedback on me was that I was very, very good, but I was a little, you know, rough around the edges. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm a little rough around the edges. I'm from some of them. Yes. But he's like a diamond in the, he's like a diamond in the rough and he needs a little like, you know, uh, so here are three people that we suggest he study with. And when my agent told me that, she said, uh, you know, and Joanna is a casting director. So I chose her because she had, an extra, you know, so I went to study with her and I lost my job. I was a bus boy 
working at this place called the Abbey Top on 105th Street, like a two blocks from where I lived. And I couldn't afford to go to the class. It was like 10 bucks a class back then. And so she called me after a couple of weeks, and she said, why aren't you coming to class? And I said, I got fired from my job. I can't afford it. You know, so she said, no, I want you to come anyway. You're talented. You know, and also there's something I want to speak to you about. There's something going on I have to talk to you about. So I went to the class the next day. I did a scene for her. She walked. We walked up Broadway. She lived. She lived on the uh, Upper West Side near Riverside Drive in a beautiful, and I and I lived on the Upper Upper West Side, like in Spanish Harlem. So she, we walked to her where she lived, which was very nice. And she said, "You know, I'm a casting director." And of course, I said, "Really?" And she said, "Yes." And she goes, well, "I'm casting this movie, and there's a role that you are absolutely perfect for, and it's one of the leads in the movie. And I want you to I'm going to give you the script." And I want you to go home, and I want you to learn the role as though it's you. So I'm going to set up a meeting on Monday for you to go meet the director. And when you meet the director, you don't tell him I gave you the script. You just go in there, and you be Ralph Morelli. You be this kid. And you tell the story that's in the script as though it's your life. All right? So (laughs) I went in to meet Joe Brooks, who, yeah, right, so... I go in to meet Joe Brooks, who had just won the Academy Award for Light Up My Life. He's a, he was a, more of a music guy than a film guy. And he had the People's Choice Award and all these awards and the Academy Award on his desk. And he had a, I'm sure, you know, you've been in offices like this where, you know, you go to meet somebody of some power. And they have you sitting in a low, low seat. And they have a yeah, seat. Yeah. It's, almost like, it's almost like doing like the Tonight Show or something. They're always in a seat yeah. that's like 18 inches higher than your seat. So you're, they're looking yep. down at you. Which, mm-hmm. Why they do that, yep. I don't know. But he did the same thing. He had me in this very low seat, so I could barely see him. And I could see the top of his desk where the Academy Award, you know, that's what I was looking at, the Academy, all his awards. So, of course, the wise guy that I was, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I can't, I can't see you. And I get up and I, I push the Academy, <laughs> I push the Academy Award six inches to the left. And the People's Choice Awards, like four inches, and I sit back down and I go, oh, 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 wait a minute, oh, I get back up and push the Academy Award a little bit further over. And then I go, okay, how you doing, Joe, you know? And he jumped up and, get this guy a script, get him a script, oh, my God, and, and like a week. And what happened was, you know, I, they, you know, at that time, you know, it was a big dancing role, which I had studied a little bit of dance while I was in New York, but you know, this was like Broadway dancers stuff. And I, they come and at, they, you know, they sat, sat me down with the choreographer, Gene Foote, who was uh, Bob Fosse's assistant for years, who was going to, you know, choreograph the movie. And he said to me, can you dance? And of course I said, yeah, how high? I'm like, yeah, sure. You, know, like, can you jump? Yeah. Yeah. Can you ride a horse? I said, yes, of course. <laughs> I'll get you the horse. In fact, I, you know, so, so, that then a week later I was in dance classes and about about ten days after that I was shooting the first scene in a movie that I was to star in. I mean it was very very um, what's the word you know it was almost surreal you know the whole experience just it just started, it just happened you know and you look around and you're shooting and you're saying how did I get here you know, this is like my yep. dream as a kid when I was a boy growing up I yep. wanted to uh, I wanted to be in the movies and and now I'm in the movies. <laughs> I mean, it was really weird, and, and you're uh, from Somerville. You know, it's 19. Think about that. It's a long time ago. It's before the big, you know, Boston surge too. And, you know, Boston had a big surge in the 90s. We're talking late 70s into the early 80s here. Right. 
Exactly. So, and well, so and the the title of the movie was Heading for Broadway, which can only be seen, by the way. Uh, it, it opened at the Sat Sherry Theater in Boston. And I remember. It's yeah. gonna, Sat I, I, Sherry I Theater. From it. Yeah, well, it was on like HBO, and you know when HBO just began, like in the early '80s, they, they ran it all the time. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you can't. The only place you can see it now, I think, if you, you go online, you can get it on eBay or you can watch it on YouTube. Like somebody's put it up on YouTube, and you can watch the whole movie like in twenty-minute segments, you know, or ten-minute segments or whatever they mm-hmm. do on YouTube now. So that's about it. But I mean, that was the beginning. That got me in the business. Got me to Hollywood. And started the long journey, you know, from there we did All the Right Moves and, you know, on Knott's Landing for a couple of seasons. And, you know, then we did, you know, we just, we just keep working. It just doesn't, you know. But yeah, it, and it, you were in the, 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 the – Did I see the Brotherhood? You were also in the Brotherhood? Yeah, I was. I did an episode in that. I, you know, I flew in there to do that. I worked with uh, with the guys on that. That was a fun show to do. It was good to always be uh, – you know, what's really weird is uh, – uh, I'm trying to remember his name. It's uh, he played the mayor of the city in that. Oh God, Al Sapienza. And the funny st- oh, okay. odd story is we did a we did a short film called uh, Scriptellas, which was a take up on Goodfellas, which Paul Savino played the same role in the short as he did in the movie Goodfellas. And it's all about Hollywood. And it was it was one of the best things I've ever done. And it's a shame that they didn't switch out the music because this thing was like a huge industry. It was very funny. It was a spoof on Hollywood, you know, like the Hollywood mob as opposed to the mob mob, you know. Mm-hmm. And right. it was very funny. And and uh, Al's Happy End is in that. Now, what's weird is we worked on that and got to chatting, and he was Ringo in Beatlemania. Now, that was my very first audition in professional audition in New York City when I was 18 years old, I went down to a studio to you know, 56th Street, SIR or something it's called, and I and I auditioned for to play Paul McCartney in Beatlemania. And wow. Al was the drummer in the uh-huh. actual original band who was playing, you know, which they didn't want me because I didn't look anything like McCartney. So I was there for like hours and they never even took me. And I had to like, you know, of course – stand up for myself and say, wait a minute, I've been here for like 11 hours. I mean, you know, you know, I want to try. And they, they, they wanted me to try out for Ringo. <laughs> the guy goes, well, maybe you'd be a better Ringo. <laughs> and I said, you know, up yours. I'm trying out for Paul. I've waited all this time. And I got up on stage and I sang yesterday. <laughs> and there was one hand clap. Like one guy clapped, like, like Rosemary at the beginning of the show. It was like that one clap, you know. And that was Al Sapienza, like clapping for me. You little dog, you know. So it's funny how, like, you know, and Al's doing very well. Just had a baby girl. Uh, he's doing great. Good for Al. Well, anyway, you know, that's that story. It's an amazing story. <laughs> you know, I without getting into too much of the philosophy, and you know, I'm a big proponent of success and, and failure. The whole, the whole road, the whole life's journey. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, well, you got to learn how to lose before you know how to win. That's for you sure. got it. You got it. You got it. We keep that. That's, that's the one that, that yeah. And uh, you know, that's the one th- theme that seems to be you know running through this whole the thread that runs through the whole series of these shows. And it's the part that people don't want to talk about. You know, the Tony Robbins and the you know um, Wayne Dyers, et cetera. It's all about winning, 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 winning. 
And you're right. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt said it best, didn't he? He says, you know, it's it's the man in the arena whose you know face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who fails again and again uh, because you can't have failure, well, I mean, uh, success I, I, without failure. Well, I mean, yeah, and there's also this this look. Uh, you know, some human beings are more formed than others, are more evolved. You know, maybe with some humility. Uh, you know, I mean, what you can't help but you know have. When you're young and you're starting off, I mean, you're full of yourself. I mean, you're going out there into this world. You have no idea what you're going into. You know, the the powers that are coming, the negative forces that are out there. Most people don't want to see you do well. You know, they, you know, or you know, maybe that's not the right word. I mean, you know, like there's stuff coming at you that you don't understand and you don't know. But the great beauty of being young is that you're like Teflon. You know, the bullets can bounce off you. And you can suffer these slings and arrows. And, and, you know, in my case, you know, getting that kind of success quickly, you know, probably was more of a, you know, looking back was probably, you know, I didn't struggle. I didn't, you know, I thought I struggled. 18 months, is that struggling? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, I mean, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like I look at that now and I've had some, I've had some hard times, you know, here in Los Angeles, like, you know, three years, you know, without a job. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, uh, divorces and, you know, people dying and, you know, sisters losing sisters and mothers and parents. And, you know, it's like just life getting in the way of whatever the dream is and that you have to, you know, sort of, you know, sort of maneuver and go around all of this and uh, deal with that. And, and nobody, by the way, you know, the other side of that is that when the success does come, nobody prepares. There's no book on, you know, how to handle that because there's nothing quite like that light shining on you when it does, you know, and it's a powerful, you know, it's very, very um, sexy. And, uh, you know, it's not, you don't know, you just don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to describe what all that is, except the fact that, you know, you've got to sort of uh, go through it when it comes. I mean, on either side, you know, it's, I'll say this, success is a lot better light to be in than the failure. (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I prefer, you know, like they say, would you rather be good or lucky? Well, I'd rather be lucky at this point, you know. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's, that's yep. you know, I, I see all those things now. It's all hindsight, you know. It's looking back over my life. But I I can look at it from this where I stand today and go, like, it was a great, you know, it's been great. I've had a lot of great opportunities. Some I knocked out of the park and some, you know, I didn't quite squibbed off the end of the bat. You know, that's the way it is. You're not going to do it every time. You know what I mean? Look, the greatest baseball players get one hit out of every three times they get up. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? So, if, I, if I'm batting 250, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, I mean, you know, uh, I, mean I, I, you know like, I used to kid my mother all the time and say, when you look in the mirror, who, who, do you, who are you looking at? You know, who, who's looking back at you? Brad Pitt's mother? No. You know, it's you. <laughs> You're my mother. You know, it's like. You know, this is the, this is, we, we are where we're supposed to be. We are who we are. You know, when we arrive, that's where you are and you do the best you can with it, you know? Exactly. You know, and again, thank you for doing that. No, thank you because that's the, again, the main thread that runs throughout (laughs) this is to uh, understand that, you know, hey, the play's the thing. You know, we were talking about that yesterday, that, you know, all the world's a stage and we Mm -hmm. come to play a partner role 
what I think is fascinating, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs, and one of the things that is really significant one of, about his message is you never know where the dots are going looking forward, but you can always see them going back, and it all makes sense in hindsight. And I think what's really no, I, significant about your well, your story is that, you know, if I look at this as part of destiny, I mean, you went, bang, you're in. I mean, you know, right off the shot, 18 months, boom, you're, you're there. And I think, you know, that was part of your story, don't you think? Well, looking back, yeah, now, of course, because, I mean, whatever my journey, this is what the journey for me, you know, I mean, heading for Broadway ultimately didn't do much. I mean, it, you know, it, it played in about nine cities, and it was tested. And the, all the people at Fox that were behind my movie, that movie, they got fired. So a new regime came in, so it was replaced. It was pulled from the theaters. You know what I mean? It's all that. Look, at Hollywood's based on ego and fear. I mean, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's really, you know, people are trying to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of power. And, you know, there's people, a lot of people are afraid of losing their jobs, trying to get their jobs, not have it. What happens if it's, you know, if I'm on a series today, then the series is taken from me. Now what? Who am I? You know, it's always about. You know, we're we're attaching ourselves to what it is, not who we are. That's not who I am. I'm not an. I mean, I'm an actor. Is what I do. I'm a dad. I'm somebody's father. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that needs needs me to be there, to be you know quiet, or to be loving, and to be helpful, and to be kind, and mm-hmm. show them the way. You know, I mean, you're out here in the. This is the trenches. You know, when you're talking about like a career, but that's not who you are. It's what you do. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, our ego is attached to those things as well. So, I mean, I've had to learn all those things, and that's part of the journey. You know, had heading for Broadway, you know, done what people, the critics, thought it was going to do and what was going to happen to my career, you know, and that's all subjective. Those are people who are just looking at stuff that's their opinion, you know. But had it happened that way, I might have been dead today. You know, I may yep. not have been able to, you know, I may have not been able to handle, like, what happened to the Beatles, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, or something, yeah. you know what I mean, whatever, you know what I mean? I, that's, well, I mean, that's true, you know, you know what I mean? I tell people, it's not the fear of failure, that's the big one, it's the fear of success, because you're success. right, what do you do, what do you do afterward, you know, how do you... You want to get that? Um, you want to answer that phone, or what's no. going on? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure, we're going to put you on hold, guys, it's, it's yeah, a yeah. bill collector, hey, let me want, handle Is it God calling? <laughs> God's going to interrupt now, and he's going to, he's going to, he wants to let talk to me. I've been a very bad boy. Let me, let me let you into my real life. Can I give you five bucks a month? Yeah. Let's get somebody uh, to answer that phone. How about putting that on silent? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want no. to make it think Don't that people, people still do call. The you, hold on a second. At the same time you're having that, I just had a gentleman check on my plumbing problems. <laughs> no, but, you know, are you going to get the little strip for the uh, thing upstairs? You know, you, also by the, by, the, by, the, uh, by the tub. I'm on doing a radio interview here. But, uh, but, but by the tub, it, you, might, you might have to, because you know, there's a tub even flush to it. There's yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. That there is it is, idea, folks. It's going to get water. here. The private, <laughs> up close and personal. Right. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Put him on the phone, Paul. Put him on the extension. Hey, Rose, where are you? I'm in the middle of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got some people coming into my house. You got his phones going. I figured, hey, this is perfect timing. You get your, uh, you can answer some calls, make some deals, and I'll get the plumbing. 
<laughs> well, this is certainly by far, Paul. This is the funniest show we've had, and uh, it's the most entertaining, you know, I, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, you walked right into you walked right. And by the way, folks, uh, those people who are listening live, uh, we've got about two minutes, and then you'll get shut off. But come back because the podcast will have the full forty-five minutes, and we're just getting going here. You know, you walked right into the part that exactly because when I watched your clip and you were interviewing in um, a cable show here in Boston, and you said exactly that, that you're a father. And, you know, that really perked up my, my whole sens- sensibilities and my, my ears, et cetera, because, you know, everybody else thinks it's everything else, don't they? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, listen, I've been floundering for years trying to figure out who I am, what's my purpose, and then my son was born, and suddenly it all changed, and I realized, you know, I'm somebody's dad, and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So, and that means much more to me than anything else. And that's how the Adventures of Charlie Bubbles was born. Because I used to read to my son constantly. Being an actor, I was home with him. I mean, the pediatric society has been telling you know people for years, you know, read, sing to the kids, rub the belly, even when they're in the womb, talk, read to them, you know, because it develops brain uh, chemistry, it, it helps with vocabulary, you know, it just get, it sets off your children into a. Uh, Gives them a, a leg up, let's say, you know, if you're doing this before they're even, you know, brought into the world and by birth, by the miracle of birth. So I did a lot of reading and doing that stuff with my son, and um, this is how it all started. I mean, he was born, changed my life. I was home with him, bonding, walking with him, reading to him, you know, put him in a little, you know, baby Bjorn, and off we were. You know, I'd take a book and go. And then I started to think to myself, I wonder, I used to blow these little bubbles off my tongue, you know, and, and that was the first time he actually got, he, you know, I did, that's what I learned in Sullivan High School, you know, in junior high school, at the Western Junior High School, I was, you know, they sat right by the little uh, air blower, the warm air blower, and I used to blow these bubbles into the airstream going across the room, and people, the girls would get hit on the nose with the bubble, and, you know, they'd go, what, what is that, is it raining in here, what is it, and I used to laugh and crack up, and so now here I am, all these years later, and I got my child, and I'm blowing bubbles at him. But he is loving it. He's laughing and giggling. He's trying to grab the bubbles. And I put him down for a nap, and I'd say, you know, uh, Charlie, my son's name's Charlie, Charlie Bubbles. And that just struck me right away. Charlie Bubbles is great. It's just a great name, you know. And uh, and then I started to form, like, I wonder if we did a baby, like, get into a bubble, big enough bubble to go on these adventures. Where would he go? this magical mystery tour, where would he go? What would he do? Who would he meet? You know, what kind of person would he be? So what, what, what do we want to say, you know? So that was where it formed. It took five years to write the first book, The First Adventures of Charlie Bubbles. And, of course, now we have four books. And, you know, I didn't know. I didn't see past it. I wrote that first book as a, like, as a something to pass, an heirloom to be passed on to my son. It was for him specifically to give to his children to see, hey, this is what me and my dad did, you know, and look. And as it turned out, as he was growing, as, you know, because it took me, you know, life gets in the way of our plans. We were busy making other plans. You know, he was able to say things he liked and didn't like, and, and actually he helped uh, kind of form that first book. And uh, I didn't know I was going to do any more. We put it out basically for family and friends. It sold very well. You know, a lot of celebrity friends of mine got involved. They they really, you know, uh, they wanted to get behind this. They liked the the uh, the message would be to be helpful, loving, and kind. And mm-hmm. in today's climate, what's going on? Looking in Baltimore right now. Then of course the the marathon bombings happened. I mean, you know, like 
So James Gandolfini, my uh, you know my, my my dear friend, you know, called and said, "Hey, what are we doing? What are we going to do about this?" You know, and I said, "What about the books?" He said, "Great idea." So let's go. I want you. You know, we're going to go together and go. And then he died, and he wanted to come to a few hospitals with me, and you know, read, you know, give the books out to the the victims and the kids, and go around to hospitals. And unfortunately, he passed away. So that's where it began. So we've done a lot of charitable things with Charlie Bubbles, and what's happened is, you know, each book has come along. There's a different theme in each book, but the message overall is to say yes, and anything's possible. And when you say no, nothing happens. And to be helpful, loving, and kind. And now we've got, you know, three books and a coloring book. So there you go. The Adventures of Charlie Bubbles at charliebubblesbook.com and, of course, up at Amazon. And any of your local store, you can walk in and order it, and they'll, they'll get it for you. So that's what's happening with that. So that's how, it, that's how it happened. I try to get that in. So it's in the you – know, <laughs> we only had two minutes. I don't know if I went over. But, no, uh, no, no. We're uh, we're on, now we're on our fifteen minute bonus here, so we've got enough time to really have fun with that. You know, I again, uh, forgive me, but you know, I love to hear the story, and I want to, you know, to me there are principles, there are lessons, there are you know reasons, there's purpose to me behind all of this. Everybody else thinks, wow, you know, it's just life and it, it's random, but you know, I mean, I don't want to put this into your mind or your lips or whatever, but don't, do you feel, you have to feel that there's some kind of thread through your life that you're supposed to be on this path. Like you said, you're supposed to be a father. Mm-hmm. Well, I waited a long, you know, listen, I waited a really long time to see my child die. You know, I mean, when I was a young man of Hollywood, you know, there was no, I mean, I, I, I came from six, I have six brothers and sisters, you know, and, you know, we had a big, large family, Greek family there in Somerville. We had four sisters, and, I had, and then my brother and I. And, and I, my, my father had six, you know, he had six, and his, his father had six children. So, you know, I thought I was my father's son, of course, and I, that, that was, that was going to happen to me. I was going to be, you know, dad with all, it didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. I never got married. You know, I was just having too much fun. And, uh, you know, I was a free man, you know, as they say. I could come and go. I was a free agent. My father used to call me a free agent. And he used to say, out <laughs> here and go. And he used to say, you've been getting away with murder for years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so there you have it. So, like, you know, and I waited a really long time. And I had a, a marriage when I was about 36 that didn't last too long. Uh, but that was like, that was all the end of the party years. That all kind of was the culmination of all the madness that was happening at that time. You know, I'd lost my dad. I, my anchor, when my father died, I, I was cast adrift. I didn't know what was happening. I, I finished doing my run on Knox Landing. I was kind of like just aimlessly, you know, and I was drinking too much and all that stuff that goes along with it. And, you know, it was just too much. And it took another about 10 years, you know, before I finally, you know, got sobered up, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's my journey, whatever that is. I mean, the highs, the lows, the ins, the outs, the goods, the bads. I mean, you know, like everybody. I mean, anybody listening to this right now, I mean, look, I've always said this, that you can take anybody off the street. It doesn't have to be a guy that's, uh, you know, a rock star, a movie star, a TV person, or, you know, anybody of note, say. You can take the average person off the street and you t- sit them down and talk to them about their lives. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can write a movie of the week about them. They're going to have yep. tragedy. They're going to have some good stuff that happened or stuff that almost happened, stuff that should have happened that didn't happen. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, think about your life, my life. I mean, all the good stuff, all the good stuff that happened to me, 
but there was other stuff that didn't, and there were not good stuff, and there was stuff that you know should have. You know, I mean, I, I feel you know it's all it's it's just life, man. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, Rosemarie, we haven't heard much from you. What have you got to say? That's something you said. That's life. That's uh, that's one of the tunes that I listened to before the show. I was actually getting ready because uh, my father. You listen to the Frank thinking about me. That's really. Oh well, I, actually, I was just I was just getting ready and I was playing music and I happened to put that on. My my father. That's what I grew up to. My father being a full blooded Italian. You know, it's all we had in the house. We had Frank Sinatra. We had you know the whole Rat Pack thing going on and um, so yeah, you know. Um, it's true. That's why one I I always go by it. Say one moment at a time, one day at a time. Tom says I climb a mountain every day, but uh, somebody brought up the mountain thing. But um, well, you, you know, have you have your is it your daughter that has um, yes right right now now I you know and how we how we got involved so that you know Tom is that there's a wonderful woman there in Boston who grew up in Somerville and is Bonnie Bud Hamilton. She, you know, contacted me. Uh, she was she happened to be actually at the Somerville High School when I was brought back there and given the key to the city. And I got up there in front of this, you know, 700 kids to make a speech, I guess, or talk to them about their hopes and their dreams. And, and you know, again, we come back to Charlie Bubbles because that's what Charlie Bubbles is about, following your heart and your dreams. And that's what I was telling these kids, that if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. You know, you just have to have a dream, and you have to go. For it. You just gotta tr- you make, uh, take the chance, take the take the step, get on the bus. You know what I mean? Get just just get on the bus and let somebody else drive it, but get on the bus because you don't know where that bus is going to stop and what's going to happen to you. And I met Bonnie. I mean, she told me about this. I did. I, you know, I remember it, of course. But you know, I got the key in. years later. Now I'm back, and uh, I got a, a thing on Facebook. Her daughter had Rett syndrome, and that she would like to get a copy of the uh, the book. And she told me she had seen me, and she's from Somerville. She saw me receive the key, and so I was coming home to Somerville with Charlie because we were doing a bunch of, uh, I think we were doing some stuff, you know, some some hospitals or schools, and you know, giving out the books and stuff. And so I said, why don't you bring your daughter and your whole family? Come on over to the house in Somerville. You come and meet Charlie and. You know, we'll meet your daughter and your kids, and you know, we'll sign some books. And you know, and she came over with the whole family, <laughs> the husband, you know, the two beautiful sons, and, and and Sabrina, who's just a doll. And we fell in love with her, and so we've been sort of supporting that Rets uh, deal. You know, help try to help Bonnie where we can, when we can, because I know that's a that's a it's a you know it's a, it's a heavy deal for you guys and what you got to do mm-hmm. and how you have to deal with it, and you know. Also, I will say this, though, that, you know, you've been given a gift that, you know, like I, I have a friend of mine here that has a son who doesn't, he's not, you know, uh, like, you know, in quotes, like everybody else. His son is different, and they don't know what it is that he's got. But but, but my friend has had suffered. He's suffered, you know, very, he's taken it, per, you know, so personally. And I said to him one day, you know, your son, you know, a fish doesn't know he's swimming in water. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't. He's just, he's just swimming in water. And your son doesn't know what's going on. He knows that he needs you and he loves you. That's it. And that's your job. And right. whatever that is, that's what we're supposed to do. And yep. you, obviously, Rosemary, you know, have, God has chosen, you know, you and, and people like Bonnie 
and all these others that have this they have the capacity in their hearts to do what is necessary for that to be done. And, that's and, right. and that is commendable to me. That is like, you know, that's, that's the thing about life. And that's when you become a parent and things change regardless of uh, what the situations are. I mean, you know, you, you're a parent, you have a responsibility. Now you've stepped up, Bonnie stepped up. I mean, you know, there are people out there that, that, uh, probably haven't found their way yet. You know, it takes some people a little longer to find themselves. And that's another great thing, a lesson about Charlie Bubbles is that, you know, we all have a purpose and whatever that purpose is, you know, we have to live it and we got to, you know, just, you know, like they, the old cliche, you know, sing like nobody's listening, dance like nobody's watching, you know, and that's what you got to do in life. You know, if you're going to get through this, we got to have some fun too. You've laughed and cried and you've, you know, hurt and you've had joy Mm-hmm. You, you have a full rich day you know what i mean it's a full day of life i mean you know i don't want to miss it now you know you want to be in the moment what's happened you know uh i'll say this there's there's a reason why when you drive your car the windshield is a big piece of glass and the rear view mirror is a small little piece of glass because, uh-huh. because, <laughs> because what's coming at you is really what's happening when you look in the rearview mirror, it's too late. It's already passed. So we got to just keep dealing what's coming because, you know, that's baseball. Like I, I, the new book, Charlie Bubbles, The Fenway, you know, uh, which is that it's about life. You know, the metaphor of baseball really is, is it's not baseball. It's about life. You know, you, you're going to get another chance. You're going to get up. You're going to fail. But you've got to keep going. You've got to make an error. The best guys in the league, your favorite ball players, I tell my son, make errors. They're going to they're gonna mess it up but they're going to get another chance. And you can't think about it. You've got to keep your head in the game looking in front of you, not what happened, but what's coming. Because you've got to get ready for the next thing that comes after you because it's going to keep coming, man. <laughs> Beautifully that's, that's, put. That's you know, you, you, well, let me tell you something, Paul. You walked right into what, the, what this show was all about. <laughs> it's all, it's exactly. all there. You got it. You know, and, and well, the thing is to... Go ahead. No, I'm getting a little emotional. I get a little emotional about all this stuff. You know, and, I know. Uh, I saw know, that you on know, your film. You're, you're you're a centered guy. You know, I mean, you went. Um, you know, all of these lessons I saw. You know how deeply your connection with uh, Jim was, and uh, you know, you appreciate. I you know a lot. I I don't know a lot. I do know a lot of actors. I don't Very know a lot deep. of people that are on. Um, on your, on you know different on on the high 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 level, I was worked with some amazing superstars, and uh, I always found that the the real deal, the real pros, were the sweetest nicest people, because they really knew what it was about. So you you know again, this is upbeat, and uh, you uh, certainly covered all of the bases, you know. And and I, I love the, the analogy about getting on the bus. You're not driving the bus, but you got to get on so it. That is so true. You and uh, you got to do the best you can. That's it. That's what I tell, ask my son. You know, he goes, "Ah, this or that." After a game, I said, "Did you do the best you could?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Then that's all I can ask you to do. That's it." I mean, if you did the best you could, you did the best you could. Nobody can ask for more. That's right. That's it. That's you, right. you know, you know, are you turning that homework in? That messy thing? I tell him, I go, "You write like that." Just, you know, let me tell you something about life. Make it nice and neat. Make it easy for the teacher. That's points. <laughs> if she's going to struggle to read what the hell you're writing, you know you're not going to get you're not going to get extra points there. 
So why don't you look at what you've written and tell me that that is acceptable to you. If you were the teacher and you gave that to you, would that be acceptable? And he would, uh, invariably he says, no, it's not. I go, then okay, get the eraser and let's go. You know, let's start over. And, you now, know, you have, and he's got. You have another kid now. You just still have one son. I saw. No, I, I, I said I, I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, those of you listening, if you're still having children, God bless you. <laughs> I think that you know that is a job, my friends. And I, like I said, you know, I, I feel now I wish uh, that I had one more because uh, that would be nice for my son because he'd like to have a brother or a sister. Of course. Of course, of course. But I, but I tell him all the time. I say, you know, you know, does your mom, your mom have a sister? Yes. Does she talk to her? No. I said, well, there you go. He goes, yeah, but you have four sisters. I go, yeah, but I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> hey, Paul, before we lose you, we're coming down into the last few seconds here, just to give you a, a heads up. You know, anything? Any last thing you want to say? This has been fabulous. I can't be. Uh, well, well you... maybe you know. It looks. It looks like there's a movie that maybe I may be doing that may originate in Somerville. Uh, they, there's been talk of uh, Sean Ireland, who was the editor and producer of The Wolves of Savin Hill, another Boston guy. He's from Springfield. I love when they say they're from Boston. They're from Springfield. I go, yeah, from Boston. Get out of here. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, he's 